Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 78 of Thrive Deeper. DJ here, and on this week's episode, Matthew Jacoby and myself get to sit down and go through Genesis chapter 9 all the way through to chapter 15. This is finally finishing off that pre- or proto-history part of Genesis, those first 11 chapters that cover the creation of the world and then the introduction to the person Abraham when God creates a new covenant with the Hebrew people. So this is what we're covering here, the end of what we're going through with the prehistory, proto-history, and the beginning of a brand new relationship with Abraham. Oh, there's some big, big themes in this week's episode. So thank you so much for downloading. I hope you enjoy it. And if you've got questions, please jot them down. I'll let you know how you can get them to us shortly. Until then, enjoy! just been for a run uh no well, i, I haven't your... but i i feel like maybe i should <laughs> you are dressed in running outfit yeah. well i'm dressed in no this is no this is active wear it's not this is actually strictly speaking not a running outfit it's just like comfy you comfy look like you, you look well, like you've just been for a jog um, no when i go when i leave here i'm gonna yeah. get my dog and take him for a massive walk okay so this is dog walking i, I love my saturday morning walk okay okay yeah. so we're recording this on a saturday morning mm. bright and early very early and i would have i would have sworn you've been for a jog already in that outfit oh no well i've just actually come from a elders prayer meeting <laughs> at the church yeah so i've been i've been wait up since six wait a minute wait a minute you you wear active wear, wear to the is the elders hey, prayer meeting that uh, active yeah yeah Come on, it's yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. That's too funny. Hey, um, now we are uh, we we're gonna steamroll straight ahead into this because mm. we've got a lot to cover on this episode. Last last week on last episode, we finished off in around about Genesis chapter eight as the end of the flood. We've got Noah and his sons, Noah, his wife, and their and their family, emer- his sons and his wives emerging from the ark. Onto dry land, into a like a new promised, you know, era, a new mm. a new promised uh, relationship there with God, and everything is perfect, beautiful, mm. happily ever yeah, after. And, and it's it's very much like uh, the creation story. It has elements of the cre- a number of elements of the creation story, and yeah. that's and that's quite purposeful in the text. Same mandate, you know, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, there 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 are a number of elements of that that hark back to that, and of course, what we have then is a repeat of of the fall in yeah. a way. Yeah. Uh, it, well, there are elements to this next bit of narrative in um, Genesis chapter 9 that echo the fall. Uh, Noah gets drunk. He um, gets so drunk, in fact, that he's lying there naked. And so the theme of nakedness comes up. Yeah. And, um, and, and also the drunkness coming from like the fruit that he has grown, like he's, gr- he's, yeah. he's planted vineyards, he's, had, right. he's a farmer. Yeah. And it's years, you know, obviously this is years later or, you know, sometime later because yep. he's grown these vineyards, he's harvested, he's fermented the stuff, he's gotten drunk from the mm. fruit mm. of the wine, you know, the, the the wine or the vine, you know, the fruit of the vine that is, he's got there. 
And then there's a, it's very vague what happens here. Mm. Um, you know that that one of the sons. So you know we you know we get looked on his nakedness, but it's it. it what what well, what's the, your the interpretation problem, of yeah, this? Yeah, so um, the, the, one of the sons, uh, Ham, comes and he sees his father naked, and he goes off and he tells his brother uh, Shem and Japheth, and they come, but they they actually cover him over, mm. um, and the problem with and and Ham is cursed uh, for this, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. Um, and you think, what's you know, what's the big deal here? Well, at, well, there's there's something about nakedness and the shame of nakedness uh, going on here. Mm. But I mean, Ham's reproach really is—it's not so much in seeing his father unclothed; um, it's in his delight at his father's disgraceful condition. That's okay. th- there's this sense that he's gloating. Or taking delight in 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 his nakedness, and so there's a kind of ridicule uh, here going on. I get you. I get you. Of the the son to the father. So, I mean, um, you know, and again, in an ancient context in the ancient world, insulting your parents was a really serious uh, serious matter. I mean, in most ancient cultures, insulting your parents warranted a death penalty. Wow. Uh, and and so this is taken really seriously. So this honouring uh, honouring your mother and father, which is one of the com- mm. commandments, of course. In it, that's in a sense what he's breaking yeah. that generational. Because remember, the blessing is going to go from father to son. The blessing is a multi generational blessing through the in the you know the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Okay, yeah. so Noah is, he walks with God. He's the seed of the woman, um, but. That seed can get, in a sense, broken by effectively uh, a son cursing the father. Yeah. Uh, and what happens that you see here is that the is that Noah then curses his son. Now, yeah. again, well, you know, cur- whether, cur- whether this is right or not, it's like this is descriptive. It's yes. just you know, is is Noah, um, you know, this sets up a situation where where Noah uh, curses his son. And interestingly, it says, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall be, he shall be to his brothers. Now, the, now it's important to note that uh, if that Noah is not cursing Ham, he's cu- cursing yeah. Ham's son. That's right. Canaan. Yeah. Like, so think, it's, what's it's, going it's on very here? a generational yeah. thing here. Yeah. So, but see, what, what he's saying is that, that you're doing – what you have done is going to have multi generational effect. It's like oh. you, you're you, this failure to honor the parent is also cuts you off from the blessing that flows down generationally. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, he he's basically declaring that uh, over his son, and um, in a way, this kind of foreshadows what goes on because when you get to the table of nations in the next chapter. Mm. Um, Ham and there's Canaan. So from Ham comes Canaan and Egypt, Mm -hmm. which are the two kind of arch enemies of Israel in the past. So from from his line comes – this is almost a bit – this text is included here as a kind of explanation. Yes. How did these – Canaanites obviously were thorns in the side uh, of Israel. Egypt, you know, we know the story of uh, of Egypt and and the Israelites. So – this is a kind of explanatory story. It goes back to here. This is where this already started. And it started with something that seems small to us, but, you know, it's that principle of if you if you take two p- 
parallel lines and you just alter the alter the angle just the tiniest degree, yes. then the further away you go, the further apart the two lines come, mm. to use a geometrical uh, illustration. So in a sense, generations later, they're going to be arch enemies. But where did it start? It started by this small nudging of the parallel lines, a small nudging of the harmony, mm. a small break. It could be just one or two degrees, mm. but in generations' time, one or two degrees nudge of that those parallel lines, yep. they're going to end up, uh, you know, uh, miles apart. So that's that's what we see. Here. Now, I wouldn't. I, I agree with you, Matt. And I, and we, we're tempted when we're reading through, and especially, I want, I want everybody to. Sometimes keep this when in you my- say you agree with me, is, does that? I agree with you, but or is that, no, no, no. that going to be followed by? No, 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 no. I agree with you. I agree you. with you. But, no, no, no. I know. I agree. I, I think that's a, a beautiful point about you know the parallel lines just a little bit skewed, and we see that you know that's a pattern we're seeing in Genesis now. Yeah. As Genesis is the book of the beginnings, and we want to m- make a strong mental note because all of the cast of characters that we're getting here mm. are going to play out for for the rest of the Bible. We need to put them in our mind. Sometimes we want to skip over something like chapter 10, Mm. being genealogy. Now, chapter 10 is, I I would say, though it can be really boring, it's just names and stuff. This is important. You need to highlight a few names in chapter 10 because especially with the descendants of Ham, Mm. we're going to get names that are coming up again and again in groups of people that come up again yeah. and again and again or you know all the all the ites you know the you know that we see over yeah. and over again um these these are things that we need to yeah. remember from where they come from yeah uh, we also besides that point like that's a little a little point there so don't be tempted to skip over I know it's just going to be names well, if- I mean I, I said you know that the sons of ham and of course ham brings this curse uh, upon himself by as I've said this small what seems like a small degree but yes from little things big things grow and this is the point here so it kind of clicks when you read verse six of chapter ten the sons of ham Cush, uh, Egypt, Put, and uh, Canaan. So, Cush uh, uh, fathers Nimrod, uh, who's this mighty, uh, this mighty warrior, this yep. mighty hunter before the Lord, and uh, he from him comes the kingdom of Babel. Mm. Uh, and we're going to read about Babel in a moment, but from this comes Babylon yes. and the uh, you know Assyrians and and so forth. And again, yep. well, we have the uh, the other arch enemy. Yep. So the Canaanites, the Egyptians, um, and the uh, and the Assyrians yeah. slash Babylonians. Yes, it's all here. This, this is where it comes from. This, and, and this is this is where that little nudge yes. of the of the parallel line, guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We get it all here. You mentioned Nimrod. I mean, we could do an entire episode. Yeah, there are, by the way, 70 nations here. Again, the, num- the number seven. Wow. Uh, uh, so, again, um, th- this, is, this may not be a complete – it doesn't it may not be a complete uh, list, but it's, it's – uh, it is – the number seven is indicative of completeness in that sense. Like yes. it's, it's saying – it's kind of uh, – Choosing out these seventy nations as indicative of the whole earth in yes. some in some sense, yeah, like an accounting for everybody that's there. This is uh, so we get Nimrod again. We could do an entire episode of Nimrod. Mm. He is a uh, a man of, that goes across a lot of um, different mythology and religions mm. and beliefs across uh, you know ancient times. Uh, we 
we we get him very briefly here. He's obviously linked to the next chapter, Tower of Babel. Uh, in Jewish tra- tradition, he is the first, um, not the first, but he's an embodiment of what it means to rebel against God. Mm. You know, like in, in the Jewish tradition, you know, God says to, to says to Noah, as he's you know as he's now saying, is spread out. Mm. I want you to. You know, you know, basically occupy the entire yeah. world, yeah. have families. Nimrod is this man of power who says, "No, no, I want to gather everybody here yeah. under me." Yeah, that's right. And I'm <laughs> going to be their ruler here. Yeah. And we get, we get that blown out in you know in 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 chapter yeah. you know in the next chapter there. It's interesting. And again, this is and I say this because there might be one or two people listening in the same boat as me. Those of those of you who are who are raised in a very conservative. Uh, almost Baptist, uh, even some Pentecostal traditions, uh, the teaching that we got around Nimrod was always linked, and this is clear as crystal in one of your in, in your favourite mm. uh, you know books, Matt. I know mm. how much you love the works of Jack Chick, uh, oh. the good old Chick, Chick tracks. But uh, you know, uh, for- <laughs> DJ's being facetious. Everyone, <laughs> <laughs> the late great Jack Chick. We could do an entire <laughs> episode on Jack Chick. I am a, I am a a, a collector of of Crazy all things cartoons. of all things Jack Chick. But for Jack Chick, and that he he embodied that type of belief from the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, that Nimrod. And his wife, and the traditions around Nimrod and his wife, were setting up uh, this, you know, uh, you know, this worship that ended up becoming the Catholic Church. It's this oh, conspiracy okay. theory that starts all the way back here. That's what you call a conspiracy theory. You know, it goes all the way to mm. Egypt, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, I know that for some people, they'll hear that name Nimrod, and that's the pictures that come to mind. Is you know, his wife and the and the and the legacy and the yeah. beliefs around the child, you know, king yeah. and all this type of stuff. But uh, I just want to say, none of that is in history. <laughs> none of that comes from any other source. That it just sort of emerged in the eighteen hundreds. Is hey, look at this. This is this is a belief. This shady. Ca- I mean, it's, it's open for. Yes. You, you get these shady characters, and uh, they they just sort of appear and they go. But you, you're right. I mean, Nim- Nimrod is this character that that gathers people, and and in a sense, is working against the divine purpose. Because remember the um, the mandate yeah. to Noah yes. was to. F- to fill the earth, yeah. multiply and Go. fill the earth, right? Go. So, um, and this is the significance of the Tower of Babel is that they're refusing to do that. They're gathering together. Mm. Um, and and this, is, this echoes in many ways Genesis 11 is important because it's, it mirrors the attempt of humanity in the garden mm. to achieve power independently of God. That's it. So it's the fall, or it's an expression of the fall all over again. Yeah. So even... And, and this, the connection is indicated even in the God's judgment in chapter, the end of chapter three. You know, God says, you know, that the the mankind has now become like one of us, and it, and it jumps into the 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 plural. God referring to Himself in the plural, yes, yes. which is a kind of um, it's a statement of a kind of sovereign judgment. It's mm-hmm. it, it, it's like when. Even in our language, royals referred to themselves we. in in the plural. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, you know. So this is what's happening. So this happens again. You get this. Uh, you know, God says uh, jumps into the plural when He brings this uh, judgment. Come, let us go down and there and confuse their language. Mm. So, um, so they build this great tower, probably as a ziggurat, which is a stepped uh, yes. tower. You yep. know, we think there are plenty of ziggurats. Um, in uh, in the in the Middle East still, and 
uh, and this is they're going to achieve, they're going to make a name for themselves. Now, what we're going to see in chapter twelve is mm. God says to Abraham, mm. uh, "I will make for you a great name." Mm. Uh, so, it's the, the text is polarizing two ways of living. Exactly. Are we going to do God's way, and are we going to fill the earth and multiply, mm-hmm. or? Or are we going to make a name for ourselves? Mm-hmm. So are we going to reflect God's image? That's in a sense what the great name is, that role of being image reflectors of God. Or are we going to live independently of God, make a name for ourselves? Thanks very much. Yeah, and, it, and right it's, here it's you see that polarization. It's important. Yeah, polarization. It's important here in in chapter eleven, verse three and four, because it's so clear that this is we like to. This is a constant. Um, mm complaint of mine in the year 2019 when we're recording this is that we have a tendency to look back at the people of this time and think of them as cavemen or, you know, unsophisticated, you know, Mm. you know, stupid idiots compared to us enlightened, you know, wonderful human beings. But this, the heart of three and four, it Mm. could be said about anybody right now in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Because it's all about technology. Yeah. They come together and said, look, listen, we've got this new technology. It's bricks, right? We've got bricks. Uh, We're going to, we can use mortar. um, And there's a sense here in the way that they're building it. And a lot of the language, again, reading, reading some of the Jewish notes on it, it's very much them saying in memory of the flood that we're all in memory, we've all yeah, got yeah. this story in our yeah. minds, we're going to build something that can't be flooded, we're going to yeah, build yeah. something high that'll be higher than anything that can yeah, be Yeah, yeah, that's waters. a good point, yeah. We're going to use bitumen and mortar and bricks that won't yeah. allow water to get in, Yeah, and we're going to be in one city that reaches to the sky and we will make us famous and we will not be scattered across the world, but we'll be here, you know, type of thing. That's right. And it's that same heart, I yeah. think, that we as human beings have today in our yeah. nations, in our technology yeah. and everything like that. We look away yeah. from God to what we can do. Yeah, that's right. We can do here. So so God comes down and this is where we get, you know, um, you know, the Tower of Babel, the city of Babel here, yeah. because uh, in, in one of those beautiful pictures, he just confuses the language and scatters them yeah. according to their languages across the world. Yeah. And it's just really significant that um, many centuries later that Israel are going be uh, are going to be conquered by the Babylons and taken yes. into Babylon yeah. as captives. You know it's like back to Babel. This is that's what you, you know that's what you wanted and, and but that's Babel in a sense is a place of captivity. It's a place that prevents us from being the people that we're called to be. That's the sort of association with Babel. And so you have these exiles in in Babylon and they're they're waiting for the day when they're going to be set free, released to go and fulfill their calling. Yeah. So this this Babylon, this Babel attitude here of making a name for ourselves is actually representing a place of captivity. Yeah. Yeah, it's so when we when we uh, and again uh, there's a lot of um, again we uh, we've we've said this before we don't come to Genesis as a science textbook and we want, we'll we'll have a break in just a moment because we're going to get into the uh, probably a key character we're going to well, be talking well, about. Well, we're, we've just come to the end of what is the the sort of prelude prologue yes. uh, to to the Bible chapters one to eleven yep. set up the story and now we're going to zoom in. You, we've got very broad brushstroke up yes. to this point, massive, and now we're going to zoom in. Uh, and and in chapter twelve, in a sense, the story begins. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me just ask you one. Let's close off Tower of Babel here. Um, 
very, very largely a lot of I, – I even went researching this morning. I went looking this morning to see if there's any new development about uh, linguists talking about languages mm, and the gee, birth of language. You early this morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you're in there. You're, you're praying with your elders. I'm there doing some homework. Um, the uh, – there, there still isn't a, there still isn't any consensus or really strong theory or something solid. Uh, though there's still a lot of research going on mm. around you know the study of languages, yeah, and and where we get fundamentally different mm. languages yeah. uh, that that are really really split. There's still no consensus mm. of where. You know, that people can trace, linguists can trace different words back to an African root, different sounds to an African root, but there still is no satisfactory Mm. explanation Mm. to the really different fundamental languages and language sounds that we have, which I think is fascinating, you know, considering we live in the light of of this story. But, But also... And I'd love to know your input on the amount, and I, and I know what your answer is probably going to be. It's going to be the, the classic Matt Jacoby, I don't know. But um, there's, there's uh, for those um, who who love to try to pull the science and you mm. know and different things out out of out of the uh, the earliest parts of the Bible, uh, out of these first eleven chapters of, of Genesis, uh, this is where you know we get um, you know different nations um, and. The 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 wrong the wrong term is races of people you know mm. visually looking you know we're just talking about the visual differences yeah. with with you know humans and stuff like this they can trace it all back to you know to to these people here um, have you got any thoughts around that uh, or is no, this- not really look I, I don't I think um, I think it's I think the point of of the text is describing uh, sort of the results of this. They're coming together and so God scatters them. And in terms of the scope, you know, what what, what does this cover? Is there more going on th- than just this? I mean, we don't really know. It, does this account for all people on the whole globe? Or uh, I mean, there's a few things we, we, we're not sure of, but this is uh, at, at least, I mean, I think it may be. Yeah. Um, but at but I, I like taking it at least. I like just leaving a little bit of gray, and a little bit of grey area there because, again, the text doesn't tell us everything. But what this is doing is is that it's indicating um, where you get this disparate effect mm-hmm. of these nations that end up warring against each other. Because remember, this is part of the prologue, which is explaining how did the world end up the way that the world is yeah. with with all of the wars and the and and this this sort of aspiration for autonomy that's happening here i mean this is really and when you think about it and, and so moving away from the the science question of yes. of um you know the spread of humanity and yep. um probably more important is is the the moral spiritual element uh of that mm. of what is it that makes groups so disparate and uh because th- there's something about being together that is good, but uh, that hasn't worked because if if I'm going, if I'm wanting to be God over my own life, claiming autonomy, then my autonomy is going to clash with yours. You know, you're going to have yours and mine, and here you get the the roots of this, uh, like the attitude that is expressed here. I'm going to make a name for myself, which means I need to be better than you. Yes. Which means so straight away, every ev- this puts everyone in conflict with everyone else, um, and. Uh, and so this 
the in a sense, you get this sense that God says, okay, you want to go that way, I'm going to push you. It's like God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Mm. Uh, and and you want to go that way? Well, I'm going to push you further in that way. And in a sense, this is... This is now, who knows how, over how, what kind of period this all happens, um, uh, but at least eventually you get different people groups that are so disconnected, they even develop different languages, mm. you know. Um, and that really is a result, morally, spiritually, it's it's a result of the kind of attitude that's expressed here, where, where groups... Uh, don't trust each other and conflict with each other. They stick to themselves and and we're this group and they're that group and you get this beginning of of the divisions between humanity yeah. and the conflict between humanity. And so the iso- you get these little isolated units and, and that's really where you get different. I mean, that's how different languages uh, kind of begin anyway. So I think that that's a kind of general thing that because I, I guess my answer is wanting to leave some of those grey areas in the grey yes. and focus on the sort of spiritual point Point. Yep. here. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, we've done it. We've covered the first 11, you know, <laughs> prologue there of prehistory history and we've set the table for a man to emerge that God is going to do something very different with. Let's yep. take a break. We'll come back on Thrive Deeper. Hey family, it's DJ here and I'm going to be really brief in the middle of this discussion of Genesis because I know we're just about to meet Abraham. So let's be really brief here. I want to recommend you head over to thrivetoday.net. Why do I want you to head over there? We did this a few weeks ago and it really did help our little podcast grow. This is what I need you to do. Head over to thrivetoday.net.au. You will see a link there to listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. I need you to head over to Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. Head over there and leave a review a five-star review of our podcast. If you leave a review of our podcast and a few of you do it this week, it really helps us get noticed by Apple and get recommended to more people. So please head over to Apple Music, leave some reviews, leave some uh, five-star reviews, write some nice things about us, and that will really help us be found. It doesn't cost you a cent, just a couple of minutes of your time. And if you could do that, we would really, really appreciate it. We've got so much great news and great stuff happening between now and the end of the year. We can't wait to share with you. So please head over to thrivetoday.net.au, follow those links to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review for us. All right, let's jump out of this back into the discussion with myself and Matthew as we go through Genesis. It's Thrive Deeper, DJ and Matt here, and we're looking at Genesis. At the end of chapter 11, we get, after the Tower of Babel, Matt, we get a a, a bit of an account of Shem's 
history. Mm. Shem, one of the sons of Noah. Mm. And from Shem, eventually we get, uh, you know, we get the introduction to a man named Abram. Yeah, and uh, the other the, the other little point here before we before we you know get introduced to Abram, is that we see very clearly is that you know as the generations after the flood continue, the lifespans that we get the ages of these mm. people dying are getting drastically yeah, reduced. Like, yeah. You know, from you know nine hundred years to five hundred years to four hundred to two hundred. It's almost like they halve every generation. Yeah. And uh, by the time we get to uh, uh, you know um, Terra, yeah, Terra and Nahor, the people who are yeah. the the father and grandfather of uh, Abram, they're living to a hundred. And 20 to 70, you know, they're living these shorter mm. lifespans. Yep. And we get introduced to Abram, uh, th- this, mm. uh, this this man with a wife, Sarai. So he comes, the important thing to recognise, and particularly for later um, history, mm. is that he comes out of Ur of the Chaldeans. So he comes from the region of Babylonia. So Abraham, I mean, this is important, of course, because a, a very, very important event in the history of Israel, a, a, an event in in a, in a sense that s- defines the Jewish people from there on that occurred around 600 mm. uh, BC is, of course, is the Babylonian exile. Yes. They go to Babylon, into captivity in Babylon. Mm. And that's significant partly also because Abraham originally came out of Ur of the Chaldeans. So... Um, it says in chapter 12, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household. So he's come out of Ur of the Chaldeans. There, there are actually Terah and his family were on their way to Canaan, but they settle in Haran, which is up in sort of Turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sort of Syria, Turkey, mm-hmm. uh, up there somewhere. Uh, yeah, I think it's up in Turkey, maybe northern Iraq. Should have checked, checked that. Anyway, um, uh, so they don't quite get all the way. And so this is really radical, particularly in the ancient world, that God would say to Abraham, leave your country and your father's household. You never did that. That was like a death sentence yeah. in the ancient world. So so the fact that Abram went, I mean, how did he, how did this happen? You know, one of the questions yeah. that I wonder is how was Abraham so sure about it's I think it's one of those things you just you just know with all this happened in a way mm. that he just knew that this was God and and he went you know yep. and um we get this amazing promise <clears throat> and in a sense uh the the promise that's given Abraham steps into this promise by obeying God and leaving his father and going to the land he steps into this promise and this is the promise and, and these Two verses, twelve, uh, chapter twelve, verse two and three. Yes, uh, they're probably some of the most important verses in the whole Bible. Yep. I yep. would recommend our listeners. I, I would say memorize these verses, mm. and you can interpret everything else that happens in the rest of the Bible in the light of these verses. Wow. Okay. okay. This is this is God. This is like the initial promise to Abraham. I refer yes. often to these verses as the synopsis of the Bible. Wow. This is like the table of contents okay. of what happens, a summary of what's going to happen in the rest of the Bible. So, I will make you into a great nation. Well, that's going to be Israel. Okay? Yes. Uh, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's 
salvation to the ends of the earth, right? Now, ultimately, this is fulfilled by Christ Mm -hmm. who uh, creates the great people in you know of all from all nations and every nation and tongue yeah um he is the great name the name of jesus every knee shall bow and tongue confess yep. that jesus christ is lord he's the great name uh, our our destiny is in a sense determined by whether we bless or curse the name of jesus uh i'll bless those who bless you whoever curses you i'll curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and of course you know blessing comes through jesus the child of abraham so this is um this is a a promise that runs right through scripture and particularly the book of genesis kind of shows throughout this book um is going to take uh it's cue from this completely. Yes. Almost every story relates back, back to, to this, this. Yes. and the unfolding of this. Yep. Now, this this relates to the the pattern in Genesis chapter one. We saw this pattern, and God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. Yep. Ten times we have that. Mm-hmm. So what we have here, God says, and it's going to be so. Mm. Now, interestingly, um, God doesn't say if you do this, I mm. will, or mm. if you. He just makes this. Unconditional. This is what we call a unilateral covenant. Yeah, I just I will. I'm going to do this. I will do this. This is what I'm going to do. Well, there is. I mean, there is one I- imperative for him is to leave. Yeah, that's right. You know, when you leave your native country and your relatives and your father's relatives, and you do this, I will do this. Yeah. So really, really, what you see in Abraham's life, and of course, the Apostle Paul picks up on this. Yeah. All that's required of Abraham is to believe and leave, you know, in that sense. Faith. Yeah, it's faith. So faith isn't just like, oh, yeah, okay, I theoretically believe. Faith is actually stepping out into the promise. Exactly. And I think Abraham, and this is what Paul uses Abraham to to show us what faith is. Mm. Well, we see that here. Mm. Abraham actually steps into into this promise. Um, Now, it's interesting, the next story then is... Well, let's let's just take a quick point. Abram is seventy five years old. Yeah, he takes his nephew yeah. Lot. He takes his wife. Yeah, because Lot's father had died, so Abraham yes. takes him under his wing. So yep. nephew's going to be a recipient of this promise as, as well. well. It's everyone yep. who belongs to Abraham's household. And so it's like he's adopted his adopted son, his nephew Lot. He takes yep. with him, and he takes his wealth. He takes his livestock, and with that wealth and livestock, there are, you know, there's basically an industry that goes with him looking after that. There's a lot yeah, of people. Yeah. There's a big crew. Um, he's he's like a, uh, you know, you know the, uh, you know they, they were nomadic, you know, farmers, but they had a lot of people working for them, everything, and they go to a new place. Well, they go they go into Canaan, and yeah. and, and God says to your offspring, I will give this land. Yeah. Um, so you know Abraham built, builds an altar, and it says, and he calls on the name of the Lord. Um, this is you know in the line when we saw uh, the line of um, uh, of like uh, Enoch and Noah. Yes, and it talks about in those days people called on the name of the Lord. Yes, so that becomes a distinguishing line of the of as it were the the seed of the woman in that yeah. sense. And from Noah it goes to Shem and then yeah. through Shem's line all That's the right. way through to And so we have this Abraham. call so, so this this line the seed of the woman mm. is kind of that's the characteristic thing. They walk with God and they call on the name of the Lord. Yeah. And so 
you get this sense here, Abraham is called, go here. This is, he's walking with God. Mm. It's like, let's go here. I'm going to give you this land. And then he calls on the name of the Lord. So it follows that, that pattern. And so he goes into the, uh, into the promised land. Yes. And, and then it says in verse 9, he sets out and he continues towards the Negev. Now that's south. He's heading down towards Egypt. Towards Egypt. Um, uh, and because of a, a famine, he goes down into Egypt. Now this is, this this is, is yeah. This is now this is the first real sort of like it's so interesting because we get this. We don't get a lot about Abram, his personality, what is yeah. he like, or anything like that. We get we get him being obedient. We get faith yeah. and everything, and then all of a sudden, the first sort of story that we have of him is this bizarre story yeah. of him in Egypt with his wife. That's right. Well, um, it's it is bizarre. Yeah. If un- unless. When we connect it to what came before and what comes after, all right, let's connect. Then it. this makes sense. Okay, so there was a famine in the land, and so Abraham goes to Egypt. Now, can you think of another instance where there was a famine that caused God's people to go to Egypt? Yeah, well, we're going to see that in. That's the right. We're going to see that. that. We're going to see that. So here's uh, a during Joseph's time. Okay? okay, so that's how that's how the Israelites end up in Egypt is okay. that they have this famine and they go to Joseph who's in Prime Minister of Egypt yes. and they go down into Egypt and the Egyptians take them as slaves yeah. and the curse of God comes upon them. Okay. That's exactly what happens here. All right. Okay. A, okay. So Abraham goes into Egypt. So we're setting up a pattern. We're so setting we're setting up, up a, a pattern, pattern, right? This okay. sets up a pattern. Okay. So Abraham goes into Egypt uh, he's afraid of the Egyptians, uh, and so he he thinks they're going to take my wife and kill me because she's a very beautiful. She's a very beautiful wo- woman. woman. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so he lies about it. Now you think, hang on, uh, I, you know, we well, we shouldn't lie. But the point is here is that we're going to see a fulfillment of the covenant, despite the fact that Abraham wow. doesn't warrant it. Wow. Because okay. remember, this is a unilateral covenant. I'm going to okay. do this for you. Yeah. And it's a covenant of grace, which means that Abraham doesn't have to warrant it. He doesn't have to be worthy of it in order for it to come true. Wow. It's going to come true because God said, you know, and God said and it was so. So um, so what's going to cut? Let's see what, and we're relating this back to the verses two and three. Yes. So uh, sure enough, Abraham's, uh, uh, sorry, Pharaoh yes. takes Abraham's wife. Yep. Okay, it's like again, it's kind of an echo of the Israelites being taken slaves yes. in in Egypt, and then this plague comes uh, upon Pharaoh's house. But it's but it's important to, it's important to note, I think, here that that Pharaoh was was apt, acting innocently because yeah. Abram has said, "This is my sister." Yeah, he, he he's like, "Okay, I'm not taking another man's wife. I will bring her into yeah. her, and in fact, I will pay her brother." Yeah. Huge amounts yeah. of cattle, donkeys, That's right. yeah. everything so, you want. So Pharaoh does this inadvertently, but yeah. the whole point is, it, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because a promise is a promise. That's it. It's like so because he took Abraham's wife. So it's it's you know it's a jab at the family. Remember, this is because from them, from Abraham and Sarah, going to come this line, the promise line. Mm. Uh, so the promise was, those who curse you, I will curse. Mm. So whether whether Pharaoh. Meant it or it's not beside the point. Whether Abraham warranted it or mm. not, because mm. remember he lied. Yes. Well, no, the promise still comes true. Yeah. So 
this is actually showing us something really important in this case. Like there is, this is going to happen. This is something is going to happen here. Despite the fumblings and whatever of people, mm. God's purpose is going to be brought about. Yeah. And, and I think, this first story is indicative of so much. Yes, it is strange, yeah. but it's indicative both of the nature of the covenant yes, um, and it's also then indicative of things that are going to happen generations later. And it's, it's such an interesting – this is our introduction to Egypt. This is our introduction to Pharaoh. And and the fact that, you know, this plague comes upon them, you yeah. know, whatever it is, Pharaoh summons Abram back in. Uh, somehow yeah. Pharaoh associates all of this back to some sort of – like there's a spiritual thing happening here. There's something supernatural thing happening yeah. here, and it's obviously because of this woman I've brought into here. Yeah. Abram come back and say, "Why didn't you tell me it was your wife? Yeah. Go take her out of here." Uh, he, he sends them out with all of the possessions he's given them. Out they go from Egypt with everything that the that Pharaoh yeah, with, had, with had so, so they've plundered Egypt yes. essentially. Yeah. So you've got you've got here a repeat. What well, will a, a pre pre preempts yeah. what is going to happen generations later, but the important thing to recognize is that we have the promise and God said, those who curse you, I will curse. The moment that Pharaoh did that, whether he meant it or not, mm. it activated that promise. This is the thing. Okay? Wow. So that's that's the key to understanding all of these stories. So the key to understanding the story then that unfolds in 13 and 14, yeah. chapters 13 and 14. Well, because it jumps- here is a confusing story in many ways. Um, you know, it's, it's the story about, first of all, Abraham and Lot separate. Like yes. they're so bl- they're so abundantly blessed yeah. that they have to spread out. Yeah. So again, they're so rich. Yeah. So again, this is this is has echoes of go forth and multiply. So this is the right kind of spreading out. Mm. Um, see, uh, they're they're multiplying because they're they're so blessed and they're taking that blessing with them. Well, this is the creation mandate: fill the earth and multiply. Um, so this happens. Uh, Lot goes east and he settles in in this plain. And then we have this complex story about this alliance of kings that fights with another alliance of kings in the region of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is where Lot is living. And there's this big battle. And you think, what is this story about? Genesis 14. Until you get to the, the point, verse 12 of chapter 14, which says, they also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions. Yeah. And you go, oh, so, the, okay. so the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, they're all uh, defeated and they carry off Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. And they think, ah, mm. oh, okay, that's what the story is about. So straight away that activates the covenant, mm. those who curse you I will curse. Mm-hmm. And um, a man reports this to Abram. Now, this is an alliance of four kings, mm. four kings in mm. alliance. Mm. Abraham takes 318 men mm. and goes and defeats them. Wow. Now, how is that possible? It's possible because those who curse you, I will curse. Yep. So they, it was like they they signed their death warrant. These four kings, the moment that they took a child of the promise mm. and took him into captivity, and again, this is going to be uh, indicative of both the time in Egypt and the time in Babylon. Wow. Wow. So everything's this, connected here, and this is the first. Okay, little little points here with that with that story there. There's so much, so many interesting things in this story here. Mm. One 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 thing I just wanted to bring up. This is the first time we're introduced to Abram, the Hebrew. Yeah, it's it's the first is the yeah. first reference of him being a Hebrew. Yeah, which is uh, which is again you know something to note because it's going to you know it's it's going to be a theme running yeah. throughout. And then we get one of the most mystical. Mm. Um, 
you know, again, it could be taught. We could talk about this all day long. One of my favorite topics in the Bible. We get Melchizedek, yeah. who 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 turns up. We know that he is a uh, he is a king and a priest of Salem. Is that is that something to do mm. with Jerusalem? You know, in the in the future, we don't know. Um, <clears throat> yeah, probably probably is yeah. uh, a king of Salem. Uh, Jerusalem, so that's you know that's in, important because you know it's the mountain of the Lord. So this is again uh, sort of preempting what's going to happen um, further on. Mm. Uh, yeah, he, we don't know much about this, but of course the writer of Hebrews talks about this Melchizedek as as having as in this instance, whatever else, whoever else he was in this instance, yes. he steps into this divinely appointed role that prefigures Christ yeah. as a, a priesthood, as a, you know, having this, because he's kind of prophet, priest, and king yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, priests, the, the Old Testament priesthood that we meet in Leviticus, uh, the Aaronic priesthood, I mean, they're not kings. They're not a line of, they're not kings. Mm. Uh, so, so there's this prophet, priest, king thing going on here. So he's a he's this figure that Abraham pays a tithe to. Yeah. So it's this kind of transcendent, priesthood that comes and goes for a while. And the writer of Hebrews is going to make the point that Jesus steps into this transcendent priesthood, yeah. uh, as it were. And the, and, and, and the priest, and Melchizedek, the priest, comes in and and basically reiterates the promise that had That's already right. been set up. And you're going to get this throughout the throughout Genesis, is the yeah. reiteration of the promise. You know, yeah. blessed be God because he is, you know, he did what he promised he was going to do. He's defeated your enemies for you. Yeah. You, you, it wasn't you and your battle, you know, he did it for you. Yeah. And we get this thing. Now, Melchizedek, asterisk here. I yep. could spend all day talking yep. about Melchizedek, so I love it. My favourite theory. There's many theories <laughs> about <laughs> here Melchizedek. We here we go. You ready for this one? There's got to be – we've got to do this at least, uh, you know, in this episode here. Um, my favourite theory here, because if you actually look at the birth can we have a Can we have a camera that goes onto my facial expressions while you <laughs> just all you need you to imagine all you theories. need to imagine is Magic KB, you know the emoji where the eyes are rolling in the back of the head? That's Matt's anyway, face every going. time I bring up one of these. My favorite theory here, I don't believe it's true. Yeah. Right? But there's something about it that makes yeah. me get excited. Is if you do the maths, you realize that at this time, Shem, yeah. the son of Noah, the godly one, yeah. who the lion comes through, is still alive, most probably. Okay. There is a theory amongst some Jewish people that Melchizedek was Shem, who had set himself as king and priest. <laughs> and then Melchizedek is not a name, it's a title. And he comes down as as the forebearer of you know the holy line and sees this great, 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 great grandson and blesses him. Now, listen. I don't think it's actually true because we don't have any. I mean, the text doesn't tell us that. But I love. Yeah, thinking I, I about, like it. Yeah, I, like I love it. thinking about this type of stuff. Who is this? Priest? I like that. Who is this? Do you know priest? what? It may not be true, but it should be true. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this priest? Where's this? The well, that, concept that, that's of a an priest. That is an interesting theory. It's so yeah, bizarre. That's a good one. It's I like so it. bizarre. Anyway, I and like again, it. Again, even though the text, you might read through this text really quickly and go, oh, I can't even pronounce the name, Mel, Mel, Mel Chizzy. What, what is it? Look, underline it, make a little note, because we only get to see him two other times in Scripture. We hear about him in Psalms, and we hear about him again in Hebrews. But this is a, I don't think it's a, I, I don't think it's a, what do you, what's the word, Matt? What's the theological word when you have uh, a theophany, Christ appearing before his incarnation? 
Is that uh, a theory? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some yeah. people would say that this is a theophany, that this is a pre-incarnate Jesus appearing. I don't think mm, so. I think, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's going... I, I, yeah, I don't oh. think so because... No, I think this... This guy steps into this role. Man, I, 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 you've got me with the Shem thing. I really like that. <laughs> or, or one of, or a descendant of Shem. Yeah, it's obviously yeah. a descendant of Shem who is, you know, in the godly line here. His, and his name is is in. And, and I was just looking at the at the Hebrew of the name, putting yeah. this together. Thinking, yeah. What? I'm trying to remember. Uh, but a, a king of righteousness. Yes, it's. King Hold of on. righteousness yes. is, is uh, Melach is king, and, and Sedek is, is righteousness in Hebrew. And that's where some people would say, "Well, this is a, a pre-incarnate Christ. This is yeah. Christ appearing somehow as God's priest, and the King of righteousness is coming to bless him." I, I don't see that in uh, personally. I'm, I'm not really buying into that. We don't really know. Like again, yeah. we don't really know. But it is a mystery, and it's it's yeah, a beautiful. But he is mystery. a type of Christ. This is important. Yes. He's a type of yes. Christ, yes. and and Hebrews makes that makes that connection. So, um, in chapter fifteen, uh, we have another appearance of God reconfirming uh, to Abram, "Don't be afraid. I'm your shield. Your very great reward." Um, now, um, here Ab- Abram voices the dilemma because at this point, this is a little while down the track. We're not yep. exactly sure how many how years long, later. Yeah, uh, but it's a number of years later, and there's still, you know, God has said, "I'm going to bless you and make you into a great nation." Well, I, Abram's thinking, "I haven't even got children. Like I'm getting old here, and I haven't got children." So he he says, "You know, how can I, um, you know, how can I?" Uh, become a great nation if if I don't even have children. So this is got, God says in verse five: Look up to the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then He said, "So shall your offspring be." Now Abraham again it says Abraham believes the Lord it says, yeah. and he credited to him as righteousness. Wow, for his faith. Yeah, Bang, that's right. right so again. it's like this is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I just want you to believe me. Yeah, it, um, and then he God. Reconfirms the the promise uh, about the land. Now this is massive for Abram. I mean, there there are people living in the land. Mm. I'm going to give your descendants this land. Mm. Uh, Abram says, "How can I know? Uh, how can I know that this is going to happen?" Now something really interesting happens here. God says, "Okay, so that you know that a promise is a promise. Let's do this. Uh, let's seal this." Yeah. In a way that Abram would have been familiar with. Now, in the ancient world, there was a form of covenant making mm-hmm. that God utilizes to communicate to Abram that he's, he, I am going to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And here's the sign. So he gets him to t- get some animals. And what they would do, they would cut animals in half. Mm. This is pretty gruesome. And they would lay the pieces, the halves, in, in a row on two sides. Yep. And the two parties making an agreement, this is standard form of covenant making, would walk between the pieces as if to say, if I don't keep my promise, may what has happened to this animal happen to me. Yeah. That was an ancient form of covenant yeah. making. Yeah. Now, it's a pretty dramatic form of covenant making yeah. when you're walking between an animal and you say, mm. if I break this promise, this mm. is going to happen to me. Mm. God says, okay, so that you know I'm really serious, go get an animal, cut it in half. Abram would have known straight away. Uh, but he perhaps would have thought, Oh, is God going to make me vow or promise? You know, uh, but 
what we see is that Abraham falls into a deep sleep and he sees this vision of a smoking fire pot, fire being a symbol of mm-hmm. the presence of God, the burning bush, the pillar of fire and smoke uh, and cloud in, in the desert. And we see this smoking fire pot pass between the pieces in this vision mm. that Abraham has. So actually God is saying to Abraham, if this, if I don't keep my promise, yeah. may th- this happen. Yeah, it's almost since bizarre, wrong to say that. Yeah, that, but that God actually used that form of covenant making to say to Abram, "No, I am going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to give you this land." And not only does He give him the land. I mean, I love the, I love this picture. I love the picture of Abraham doing it. The sun going down, vultures beginning to turn up, and you get this. You know, it says, yeah. and Abraham's chasing him off the carcass. Yeah. It says he's wearing himself out, and then he falls into this deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came over him. Yeah, that, and, that, that's and it's, an interesting one. I was thinking about this. Uh, it says, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen. Um, now, what does it say? In verse twelve. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And I was thinking about this. This is a throughout the, uh, and you see this in the Psalms, uh, is it Psalm 97, a uh, thick darkness surrounds him, it says. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not, um, this is an indica- indication of the absolute mystery of God. It's mm. like the magnitude, the transcendence of God. Mm. It's like the fear of the Lord. Mm. You know, that this is something uh, th- that actually causes the a- an encounter of which causes the collapse of our mental capacities. It's yes. just, yes. this is greater than we can handle. Yeah. yeah. And so, as Isaiah says, you know, I'm undone. Yeah, I'm completely undone. I'm undone. So it's described, as I said, in some. Uh, 97 is this thick and dreadful, this thick and dreadful darkness, and here as well. Yeah. And so he, it's like he has this encounter with God. Uh, how can I know? And God turns up, and um, and and we have this vision of him passing through the pieces. Yeah. Now another interesting detail here is that he says, "In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here." So this is going to happen straight away. Yeah. He points out to Abraham. Yeah. And. And he says, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Now, it's important to remember that statement when we get to the edicts to go in and drive out all the inhabitants because, I mean, and and we'll grapple with that at some future date. Yeah, yeah. Because we think, oh, goodness, like God drove them out. Well, basically what's going to happen, the conquest of the land is going to be one-off a very much a one-off event, but it's going to be like a kind of judgment um, that, in a sense, prefigures the final judgment. Amen, amen. Uh, where these people are, dr- you know, driven out, and it's because they, by that stage, the sin of the Amorites, the sin of the inhabitants of the land, yeah. will have reached its full measure that completely warrants destruction. What, what is going to come upon them? Yeah, it's it's amazing. And and look, by the way, you know the the things you you get a sense of what was happening in the land from the set from some of the things that God tells the people not to do. Yes, like you know, do not sacrifice your children in the fire, and do not practice divination and witchcraft and sorcery. Yes, and He's saying that don't do the things that the people in that land do. It's like wow, these by the third and fourth by the fourth generation. 
the sin of the Amorites certainly had reached its full measure. And uh, uh, the other the other part of here is that first part of it there where, where the Lord says to Abraham, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers. Like he promises, he prophesies and says yeah. to Abraham, I'm going to show you what's happening for the next 400 years, what will happen yeah. from here. Now, you've got to believe all these promises and go from there. It's an amazing picture. Yeah. It's amazing. It's an amazing encounter here. And I think that's where we, we probably should leave yeah. Abraham here, yeah. lying in the, in the, in the darkness <laughs> with a pot flying through the thing. Like, yeah. Freaking it's a good place out. To leave it, yeah. We'll leave him there uh, as it because um, we're going to continue uh, with uh, with this uh, with this man and uh, what God is God is doing. And if him. you're keeping up with the reading, you'll be a bit ahead of this. Yes. And you've probably got lots of questions about Hagar and Ishmael and all yeah, that, but yeah. we'll get there next yeah. episode. Next episode, questions are coming, so please get your questions in now. If you're if you're hearing this, you've got time to get your questions in. We're right a bit now. behind on on questions too. We're just conscious of the fact that there's yeah. been. Plenty of questions, but we we will get to it. We're just trying to we're just trying to play catch up with the text. Exactly, exactly. This is such a massive text to get right as we as we sort of set up the foundations for everything. Okay, Matt, as as we are reading through about Abraham and Abram and and the the entire story there with Sarah, what do you want to keep us? You know, what what do you want us to have in forefront in our minds as we're reading mm. through Genesis here? Big idea is that God is faithful. What God says he will do. And we have the option to step step into that flow of faithfulness, as it were. Mm. It's like, because uh, it, it's not God's not our genie who just follows us around doing whatever we want. No, when we step into God's purpose, then these promises, when we step into these promises, we step into, and this purpose, we step into an absolutely sure thing. So, we are going to see the faithfulness of God throughout the book of Genesis in some pretty amazing ways. But this is not just for then, this is for now. We can live in this stream of faithfulness, as it were. We can step into this and see this faithfulness for us. I am enjoying going through the book of Genesis again with Matthew, this time for Thrive Deeper, especially going through the life of Abraham. I mean, this is the character, this is the patriarch of some of the major faiths around the world. So many religions look back to Abraham as being the founder of their faith or very important to their movement. So it's great to be able to read it with our eyes opened to what Jesus tells us about him in the New Testament, to what the Apostle Paul talks about him in the New Testament. It's great to be able to go through and read these foundational stories, especially when it relates back to the New Testament and our lives today. I'm enjoying it. I hope you are too. Please get in touch with us over at thrivetoday.net.au. Next week, we're going to be answering your questions. Finally, catching up on that. Until then, it's DJ on behalf of Matt and Stuart and the team saying thank you so much for downloading. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you are reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's Word and thrive.